Hey, Stony Brook. Am I on? I'm good. Okay. Hey, uh, so like Joe said, uh, I'm Lance Pippen. Uh, raise your hand if you know me. <laughs> well, well, that's great. Uh, hey, I'm Lance. To those that don't know me, uh, it's very nice to meet you. I, I know I met some of you during the Sunday school time and in, in between that and morning worship this morning. But I would love to, to shake your hand, give you a hug. I'm a hugger. Um, maybe that's not your thing, but you can shake my hand. Uh, I, I'm okay with that. Um, but hey, it's good to be home. Uh, I'm, I'm from, oh, whoa, uh, there's a crack down there. Um, uh, anyway, um, but uh, I'm from Stony Brook. This is my home church. And, uh, but like I said, it's, it's great to be home this morning. Uh, this is my lovely wife, Erin. Uh, you can stand up and, and say, hey. She was like, what's happening? Um, but this is my wife, Erin. Um, we, we don't have any children uh, of our own, but hey, we've been in youth ministry for, I've been in youth ministry for 21 years. So that's God saying, hey, these are all your kids. These are all your students. And, um, but, um, and, and, and we still feel like, you know, kids now are our are, are kids. And, um, but anyway, it's so great to be with y'all this morning uh, to come and share God's word with you. And like I said, it's great to be home. Um, so let, let me just say that. Um, but to get started with the message this morning, uh, many of you have probably studied or read through the book of James before. Uh, the book is well known for its emphasis and teaching on two things. And those two things are faith and works. So a little bit more uh, about the book of James. Uh, the book of James is believed to be the earliest or maybe the oldest, however you want to look at it, of all the books that are written in the New Testament found in the Bible. Its author, James, was the half-brother of our Lord and our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And he was the pastor, he was the leader, and he was the elder of the new church in Jerusalem, the first church in Jerusalem. Also significant to this sermon series, or this sermon today, uh, is the intense persecution and adversity that this early church faced. James is not writing as a disconnect observer, but rather as an active participant in the lessons of faith and also perseverance that he encourages throughout his letter. James the Just, as he was affectionately referred to, is a good pastor or a good teacher, a good preacher, if you will, with an important message for the first century church. Importantly, his message continues to be relevant as the years go by. Even here in the year 2023, his message through his book is relevant for all Christians. But the persecution of the church, it carries on. And the experience of personal adversity is felt by every single last living being. So today we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, and it's teaching on testing and persevering. So James chapter 1, that, that's where we're going to be at today. Uh, the big idea this morning that I want to share with y'all through this message is the testing of our faith through trials, 
through adversity, through suffering, etc., uh, produces in us a steadfast spirit and perseverance. And let me tell y'all, talking about perseverance, it's an invaluable characteristic of those who put their faith in and also those that follow Jesus Christ. All right, so starting in chapter 1, hopefully you've already flipped in your Bibles uh, to, that, to that chapter and to that book. Um, it's also going to be on the screen here behind me. But let me just be up front. Um, I'm using the ESV version of the Bible today, so the English Standard Version of the Bible. So if you're following along in the Bible app, especially, just make sure you uh, choose that right translation there. Um, all right, so chapter 1, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 2. So in 3, 2, 1, let's read. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wind of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to, to those who love him. So this passage began with an intentional, shocking statement. James starts it off with a bang. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know, it's hard to hear this and imagine that there can be joy in the midst of trials. You know, I, I can think of, a, a, of numerous things that I personally find joy in. Uh, for example, uh, some of you guys have given me a hard time about this already, and you, you'll, you'll see where I'm coming from here shortly. But um, so I'm a big lover of Duke University athletics. Okay, go Duke. All right. Uh, so especially when it comes to uh, basketball, uh, men's basketball, although I, I do follow all their sports because Duke baseball is playing UVA today. Uh, and hopefully they'll win today and, and go on to Omaha for the College World Series. So go Duke. Um, anyway, but uh, especially basketball. Now, I love it. It's something that brings me joy when Duke wins any kind of championship but especially a national championship in early April. Man, that, that brings me so much joy. But that has not happened since 2015. So I'm like, come on, guys. I, I need a championship. Bring me some joy. Um, so, so anyway, that's that. Another thing 
And I'll say this, you know, my wife always comes first, okay? Uh, but Duke is one thing. Another thing that I find joy in is anything Ghostbusters related. <laughs> Seriously, okay? Um, so if you know Ghostbusters, raise your hand. Okay, uh, awesome. So Ghostbusters uh, was a famous movie that came out uh, 39 years ago. Uh, actually, this past Thursday, June 8th, was Ghostbusters Day. And, uh, and it's Ghostbusters Day because the movie came out uh, June the 8th, 1984. Okay, 1984. So anything, there's been uh, a few movies since that original movie that's, uh, that came out. There was a cartoon show back when I was growing up, and uh, I, I love that. Um, I bought toys, or my mom and dad bought toys for me then. I'm buying toys now. Um, so um, I, I have a room at our house that's half Duke and half Ghostbusters. True thing, true story. <laughs> Okay, um, every Halloween, last couple of years, um, I have a Ghostbusters sign that, uh, that illuminates and hangs outside over my garage door like they do in the movie over the firehouse door. And I have a 15-foot-tall Stay Puffed Inflatable Marshmallow Man. A Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. I'm living my best life, y'all. Um, on this side of heaven, anyway. But... Uh, but these two things I find joy in, Duke and Ghostbusters. Um, but all the things in life that I find joy in, they don't include things like pain. They don't include things like suffering, uh, destruction, or even adversity. And yet James calls the early church to joy in the middle of being persecuted. What? Joy in the middle of being persecuted. That doesn't sound too good, does it? Being persecuted. Also, something else that uh, is worth noting here is that James doesn't say if you experience trials, but he says when. When you do. Folks, trials and persecution are going to happen in our lives. Maybe you've already experience that, trials and persecution in your own life. Let me tell you, adversity was a foregone conclusion because even the uh, Apostle Paul, he wrote in his second letter to Timothy this, uh, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul, again, you know, another example here in the Bible, he didn't write might be persecuted. He says, will be persecuted. You know, being a youth or student minister over the last 20 years, uh, I've heard recently um, from parents about some persecuting going on in local schools over in Pitt County, where, where we live, uh, probably here in Wilson County as well. But persecuting is happening, or persecution is happening for students, Christian students trying to stand up for Jesus in their public school. And I'm talking about a high school in particular. You know, I, I know this one kid that uh, he also plays baseball, and he'll give the shirt off his back. He'll help, you know, a fellow teammate, teammate or anybody in the school with whatever they need. He, this kid is a living example of what any of us should be 
but being Jesus' hands and feet right here on earth. But he's being made fun of and being persecuted because of just living for Jesus. So, you know, has that happened to you? Maybe that happened to you when you were growing up through school. Uh, maybe it's happening to you now, even in the workplace. Have you ever been persecuted for living a life for Jesus Christ? Maybe you haven't experienced persecution like that, or maybe at all. But I'm telling you today that the persecution that the early church faced back in the first century and that some of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world right now in the year 2023 are facing, that persecution is something else. The stuff that they are going through, the things that they are going through, is something else. I mean, just a few months ago, I was hearing updates about what was happening with our friends Ajay and Indu Law from Central India, who are the head ministers of Central India Christian Mission. And they were being persecuted for things that they did not even do. There are some folks over in India right now, Central India to be more specific, that do not like the work that Ajay and Indu and their family are doing there in Central India for, for God, for Jesus. They're trying to set them up. But it got out that they were responsible for what happened to the point where they had to run. They had to hide for their own life, for their own life's safety. You know, that's rough, hearing those stories, hearing that that was going on, that that was happening. I don't think any of us have come close to that kind of persecution. But hey, don't think that you have lucked out or, or, being, or that you've been spared all the trouble. Don't think that at all. Let me tell you today that James goes on to articulate in our passage today from James 1 that we count our trials as joy, not because we're uh, misogynists and, and we love being in pain. That's not it at all but because we trust that the testing of our faith is producing in us something of immeasurable value. Something so valuable that every believer around God's planet, around this world, needs to experience it in one form or another. Let's talk about the testing of our, our faith a little bit. Uh, James says that we will meet trials of various kinds. This is an extremely important uh, point to remember as the original meaning, keep that in mind, the original meaning of the, of the phrase various kinds was literally many colored. So various kinds equaled many colored. So I got this illustration down here. I'm going to put it right here. So hopefully you can see it. Uh, box of crayons. So uh, let's pause for a moment and try to remember opening the Crayola crayon box as a child. Try to remember that. Uh, I have one here, as you see. 
Uh, but you can probably tell that this one has been used. Um, there's 96 uh, crayons in this box. I think all 96 in some form or another are there. Um, but, uh, but, you know, like I said, to start off with, I'm from Wilson. This is my home church. And I think when I was growing up at 1305 Brookhaven Drive, uh, Forest Hills Road, um, this was in my possession. And if you turn it around, like, Kid Lance handwriting is right there, okay? So, I mean, it's got my name on it and everything, and we still have it at our house. Um, but, uh, but anyway, do you remember opening one of these up for the very first time as a child, okay? Um, the smell. I mean, let me open this real quick. Oh, yeah, I can smell. The, the smell of the wax crayons inside that box. It's almost like a new car smell or a, a live Christmas tree smell, something like that. Okay, maybe just me. Uh, okay. Um, but, yeah, try to, remember, try to remember the feeling that came over you when you looked at all the colors that were staring back at you in, in your face. All the colors that were available to you as a young artist. You know, on some level, this is the concept shared by James. There, are huge, there is a huge variety of trials in people's lives. A many color palette, if you will, of adversity and pain that believers around the world will experience in their lifetime. So instead of just staring down at crayons, just think about it as 96 different trials in a person's life. And that's what James is pretty much telling us, all right? It definitely does differ from person to person, though. From culture to culture, from church to church, it changes. You know, we're talking about things like relational pain, mental health and well-being, physical disease and suffering, financial loss, and external persecution. You know, this list, it can go on and on and on. In fact, there are people sitting right here in this sanctuary, in this room today here at Stony Brook Christian Church, they're experiencing a deep testing of their faith. There are those in our midst that are asking questions such as, is God even real? If God is so good, why does he allow evil to happen in this world? Why won't God intervene in my life can't he see what I'm going through? Can't he see my hurt? Why won't God heal my child, heal my spouse, heal my friend? These are tough questions that maybe some of you are asking right now. There are questions that we will ask some point along our faith and along our spiritual journey. But the big question isn't, 
when or it, it, it's, it's not the question, the question isn't when will I experience trials, but rather when will I experience trials? It's not if, it's when. And the good news is that although there are various trials, more numerous than the colors found in that box of crayons, there is also a God in heaven who is weaving every trial, every color, into a magnificent and meaningful, and I'll throw in beautiful, tapestry. That's what God is doing with all the trials and all the sufferings that we experience in our lives. He is turning it into something beautiful. A trick, my friends, is uh, learning to trust him through the process. And that whole thing is called perseverance. Trusting him through the process. Webster's Dictionary defines the word perseverance as persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Achieving what? What's the word? Success. That's right. And for those who follow Jesus, what do you think achieving success means? Or said differently, what would it look like to live a successful life as a follower of Christ? James gives us some more insight into the answer when he says in verse 3 and 4, uh, there in chapter 1, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And another word for steadfastness there is perseverance. All right? And let steadfastness, what's the other word? Perseverance, that's right. Let it have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Success in Christ, in Jesus, means trusting him through the very trials of life as he brings us to perfection and as he brings us to completion. Success for the believer is wholeness in Christ. And wholeness is found on the other side of suffering. It's like two different opposite extremes. There is something unique about suffering, about pain, about adversity, that provides divine character in us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul ha had to tell the Romans in, in his letter, chapter 5, uh, verses 3 through 5 in, in the book of Romans. Uh, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And another word for endurance here is perseverance. And endurance, a.k.a. perseverance, produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, adversity calls us to go higher, to be greater, and also to trust deeper. Suffering expands our faith. Pain drives us into the arms of the Father. Hey, uh, j just a, a little illustration or self-story um, about how pain drives us into the arms of the Father. So, um, ending 2018, it's like the week after Christmas and before New Year's, um, I started to get headaches probably around the 28th of December. Uh, in uh, 2018, and um, 
you know, is, is this something I, I live with? <laughs> you know, popping ibuprofen or Tylenol to, to try to, you know, get rid of it. Um, but the headache came again the 29th, 30th, 31st, and uh, New Year's morning, January 1st, 2019. Um, Aaron and I, another thing that brings us joy is Christmas time. Uh, yes, let me, let me say, we love that Jesus was born. Uh, you know, that, that's great. Uh, Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we love that. But we're, we're kind of those people that decorate like crazy people, okay? Not too crazy, though, okay? But, um, but if you come to our house at Christmas time, um, that particular year, in 2018, we had four real Christmas trees in our house. Four. Man, that's a lot. But I always had that dream of having four, or a lot, like every room having a real Christmas tree in my house. So, you know, it almost happened. Um, so, um, but we also have allergies. <laughs> Um, so, you know, may, maybe the headaches were coming because we had four Christmas trees. But anyway, uh, I took out, took down all the Christmas trees. That's always a sad time, you know, when Christmas is over and your house looks naked. Um, uh, always, you know, that's always a sad time. Anyway, um, but, uh, yeah, the headaches. So January 1st, um, we had talked about, uh, going, going down to Smithfield to the pottery, to Dwayne's, you know, to see if they had anything left, first of all, uh, with the Christmas decor in mind, um, and, and to see if, you know, it was at a discounted price because the holidays were over, uh, Christmas was over. Um, so, but I still had the headache. In fact, it woke me up that morning um, where my recliner was in, in our living room. Uh, Aaron was still asleep. Uh, but I can look in, into our bedroom, and I could tell she was stirring a little bit and almost ready to get up. So I go in there, tell her good morning and all that kind of stuff. Tell, oh, the headache is still here. I still have it. Um, so I, t I told her that I was going to get in the shower. Hopefully it'll, you know, take care of the headache, um, clear it up a little bit. I, I'd already taken some medicine. Um, but so she was like, okay. And I was like, and I was also to the point where I need to go see somebody. But it's New Year's morning. Doctor's offices are not, closed, are, are not open, and I don't want to go to the emergency room. So we were still planning to, to grab breakfast at Cracker Barrel that morning and um, you know, head down to Smithfield. <laughs> but the last thing I remember is opening the shower door, and we have one of those, it's not like a bathtub, but it's like, you know, just a shower stall and uh, with a seat built into it, by the way. And, um, but I, open, I remember opening the shower door, turning the water on. Uh, next thing I remember, waking up outside my house in, in an ambulance, in a rescue truck. And I'm like, what, what, why am I here? <laughs> um, long story short, I slipped, I fell, I hit my head, had a seizure. Um, I broke my right shoulder. I broke my back. 
So right now, before you guys this morning, hey, I'm thankful to be here. Okay? I'm thankful to be here, but um, I feel like the Tin Man sometimes from the Wizard of Oz. Because I have a lot of metal inside this body that you're looking at. Okay? But, hey, I'm thankful to be here. But I will say from personal experience, and, and two, I'm glad my wife was home when that happened. Okay? Because things could have been a lot worse. Um, but from personal experience, pain drives us into the arms of the Father. And as we learn over and over and over again to trust our Heavenly Father through any and every situation, our capacity to hope it increases. Our capacity to being faithful, that also increases. We learn to persevere because of the promise. Say promise. We have in Jesus. You know, talking about that promise, as we grow in faith, and learn to follow Christ, we must also learn to keep our eyes on him, on Jesus, no matter how difficult or seemingly impossible the circumstances get. You know, we must keep our eyes on the cross, on Jesus, no matter what. No matter what happens in our lives, that should be our main focus, to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, on the cross. You know, Paul talks about this throughout his letters in, in the New Testament, but there is one place in the book of Philippians that I find especially touching. And here's what it says in uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verses 12 through 15. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on, Paul says, to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing, uh, but, but I do, uh, but one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul's motivation here is Jesus. It's simply Jesus. Through various trials, suffering, and persecution, Paul presses on. And, you know, sometimes we, we like to think about all the things that Paul experienced, the trials and the persecution that he went through. I mean, from being made fun of to being, like, you know, had rocks thrown at him to uh, being shipwrecked to being imprisoned. So many things happened to Paul, but as he said, he pressed on. You know, we get the feeling that uh, Paul learned to count it all joy, just like James says. 18th century abolitionist William Wilberforce, he had this to say, our motto must continue to be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty, talking about God, that he will crown our efforts with success. Let me read that one more time. Our motto must continue to be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty will crown our efforts with success. And success for the believer is to finish the race and receive the promise of eternal or everlasting salvation 
made available through God's only Son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us on the cross. You know, with that in mind, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. What was another word for endurance? Perseverance, that's right. The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him has endured the cross, despising the shame and is seating at the right hand of the throne of God. So people, my friends here at Stony Brook this morning, throw off any weight or burden holding you back from pursuing Jesus the way that you should. Throw off the sin clinging to your life. Run the race that has been set before you. And when you need help this morning and and this week, I want you to think about three specific encouragements that come from our James passage today. Number one, if you need wisdom through the trial, just ask. Just ask. Whatever trial you might be facing, just ask for wisdom. James 1 verse 5 says, uh, If any of you like wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So ask. Ask God. Ask other Christian uh, friends and, and people to help you out. Number two, don't let doubt creep into the process. Don't let doubt creep in there. Doubt and faith cannot exist together. It's like oil and water. They can't exist together. Uh, James 1, 6 through 8 says this, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And the last specific encouragement that we can get from this passage is stay humble. Stay humble is number three. Be careful not to, not to think too little or too much about yourself. Uh, God's love, his grace, his compassion, his mercy, his mercy, they're impartial for every single person. James 1, 9 through 11 says this, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. As we close this morning, I said this earlier, and I think it's worth repeating. Adversity calls us to go higher, to be greater, and to trust deeper. Suffering, it expands our faith. Pain drives us into the arms of our Heavenly Father, which is God. And I know from personal experience, it really does that. And we learn over and over again to trust God through any and every situation that arises. Our capacity to hope should increase in those times. So what should you and I do? We should count all the various trials of our lives as joy, for they are producing something immeasurably valuable in us. Our last uh, verse this morning from that main passage, verse 12, it ends 
basically James chapter 1 by saying, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Let me read that one more time, uh, but in a slightly different way. Blessed is the person, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who remains steadfast under trial, for when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life. You know, uh, reading this, uh, this verse here, I think about my grandma, Grandma Eva. This was my mom's mom, uh, my mom's mother. Um, and, and when I read James chapter 1, verse 12, I, I think of her. You know, Grandma Eva had to uh, withstand many trials in her life. Uh, growing up in the years around the Depression, Great Depression, her father farmed a small farm. Her mother helped with that. Uh, grandma's, Grandma Eva's dad did, did not want her mom to work, but help out around with the farm. Together, Grandma Eva's parents raised nine children on the salary of a small farm farmer. And like I said, this was during the Great Depression. You know, Grandma, several years had passed, and she went on to marry my grandfather, Harvey Woolard. And they went on to have my mom and, and two other children, uh, another girl and, another, uh, and a boy. Granddaddy Harvey did not want my grandmother to work until the youngest, my Uncle Toby, was able to be looked after and cared for by his two older sisters. After that, my grandma went to become a seamstress for a furniture store in Washington, North Carolina, and then a salesperson for Singer Sewing Center. But in the year 1981, at the age of 54, my, my granddaddy Harvey died from cancer that started in his colon and ended up in his liver. My mom and her two siblings lost their dad. And me, being, in born, being born in 1982, I never got to meet my biological maternal grandfather. Grandma did go on to find love again, although this time it did not last very long. She was married and divorced within a year. Turns out there was some mishandling of the money on her husband's part, and the guy that she was married to had an extramarital affair. Grandma Eva would, would go on to say that that divorce, going through that, was worse than losing her first husband. What a trial that was for her. What a time that was for her. She would later find love again to a guy named Ken Barber, and through the years that she was married to Ken, uh, they both experienced trials, especially when it came to their health. And being the sweet and caring lady that Grandma Eva was in uh, January of 1997, uh, Grandma and Ken lived on the other side of Washington, right on John Small Avenue, if you're familiar with Washington and Beaufort County, or on 264, the part leaving Washington to go down to Bath or Bellhaven. Um, they returned home one evening, and Grandma noticed that there was a wo wooden board in the middle of the five-lane road in front of her house. 
she thought she would go out there and pick it up so no one would run over it or worse, get a flat tire. But in the process of doing this, my grandma was hit. She was run over. And this caused many years of her health not being the best. And it's a miracle she even lived through that. And like I said, her husband, Ken, um, he worked at a service station in Washington, which is now Giddy Up Coffee, <laughs> if you're ever there. Um, but this was a service station where the employees actually pumped the gas for you, where you stayed in the car. Um, but one day after working, he fell there at the station. And through that fall and working on concrete or asphalt floors or, or ground, you know, for many years, it led to nerve damage in one of his foot's toes. That nerve damage spread to his foot and up his leg to the point where he had to have that leg amputated. So taking care of Ken through that trial, that was something else for my grandma too. Um, Ken also suffered with a COPD because he smoked heavily for many, many years. But that, along with having to be on oxygen during the latter years of his life, led to his death in 2011. It happened on Halloween Day, October 31st, 2011. But three years after that, dementia crept into my grandmother's life in late 2014. You know, in the last six months to a year, grandma wasn't grandma. The disease had, had taken over her body and her brain. To some point, or to sometimes, the, the point of anger, grandma was not an angry person. And being as physical and not in a good way as she could. You know, Grandma Eva, a faithful daughter of Christ, died from that disease in 2017. So on that particular day, in that particular year, Grandma Eva no longer had to endure the trials of this earthly life. I know what she entered into that day and what she's doing today as I speak here in June of 2023 that she's reciting at the feet of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in eternal glory. And hey, you know, maybe, maybe you have your own story about someone that you've known who has suffered many trials, but thank God that they are sitting at Jesus' feet today. But hey, you and I, we're still here. We're still walking this earth, this side of heaven. We're still here in this life, and this coming week, I want you to think about the various trials that you are facing or that you have faced. What have you learned from those trials? What, what could you have done differently through those trials? 
How would you help someone else that's maybe going through that trial or a similar season? How, what words would you say to someone? How would you help them? And, and, and if you're in the midst of great suffering here this morning, please know that we, every single person in this room, we are here for you. We are there for you. We are with you. God is with you. And he, I promise, has heard every single one of your prayers. Whether you feel God's presence or whether you don't, he has heard you and he is with you. So, remember to ask for wisdom. Remember to exercise faith and to stay humble throughout the process. Let's pray. God, we love you. We just thank you so much for um, just these words, God, that you have given me to share with these folks this morning. God, I'm sure a good majority of us here today have endured or gone through some kind of trial in our lives. And God, we, I'm, I'm sure most of us have had a person in our life who has suffered trials of many kinds, but now resides at the feet of your son. And they don't have to worry about these trials any longer. So we thank you so much for that promise, God. God, you know, us that are still here, God, I pray that we can do things like stay humble and we can just ask and we can just persevere through the things going on in our lives that we can talk with others, that we can have accountability, that we can find comfort in others, in other Christian believers, in other Christ followers. God, just be with us. God, we know that you will be with us to the thick and the thin, whether we feel you or we don't. You're always going to be there helping us through every single trial that arises in our life. Just be with us today. Be with us, through us, uh, with us the rest of this week. God, we just love you so much, and we thank you so much for the promise of eternal life if we have that relationship with your son, Jesus. God, if anybody is here this morning and they need to talk to somebody about receiving the, the gift of eternal or everlasting salvation, God, I pray that they can come forward, that they can make Jesus the Lord of their life. Just be with us, God. We love you, and I pray all this in your name. Amen.